0: Welcome to the pinch to zoom Podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest tech news, products, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And in this episode, we're catching up on a flurry of tech news items released in the past couple of weeks, as well as discussing the top question of the day, should you upgrade to the new iPhone 12? First, we got quick news, so Gabe, roll that intro.
1: Welcome to Quick News, the latest new tech, tech news, and what's up next in tech. We have a lot of new products in this segment of Quick News because it's still Techtober. I mean, it doesn't really feel like October anymore where we are. We just got a bunch of snow. It feels I'm more pretty like,
0: sure it's like mid-February at this point. Yeah,
1: it feels more like we've completely dived headfirst into winter. But it is still October, and it is still the hardware month where we see all the new companies getting busy updating their new products. And no company has been more busy in the past two weeks than DJI, who has released, I think, just offhand, like, five, maybe six products. Two of those were in the enterprise division, so they don't really count. There were two new cameras for their drones that are LiDAR and, like, for mapping. So we won't really count those, but we will focus on three new gimbals, kind of, they've announced. So first off, we got their tiny little gimbal. This is the one that's going to be the most interesting to
0: the average user. It's the... Osmo Pocket 2. Yeah, this little guy seems great. What did you think of the original Osmo Pocket, and how did DJI take that to the next level with the Pocket 2?
1: So the original Osmo Pocket, if people don't know what it is, it's basically this little tiny handheld, like almost it looks like it could fit in your pocket. Oh, wait, that's maybe why they called it the Osmo Pocket, and yet it's a gimbal and a camera all in one with a little tiny one-inch touchscreen right on the handle that really isn't very useful for much other than kind of just making sure your shot is in frame and changing some slight settings. I've missed so many like shots because it wasn't in focus and I couldn't see it on the screen. But because of that, they have the ability to connect that uh, Osmo Pocket to your phone via Wi-Fi or just plug it in directly. And the original Osmo Pocket was great, but it definitely had some shortcomings. Biggest ones of those was audio was pretty bad and also lacking like HDR so the dynamic range wasn't too good. So with this new one, they upgraded it to a slightly bigger sensor. It's basically the one that's in the Mavic Air 2, but it's actually slightly different. It's a 64 megapixel one, so it's 64 megapixel quad bear, so actually it's only 16 technically. It's the same one that's in the Samsung Galaxy S20, and with this new one, they're able to do 4K60, so that's the same as the original Osmo Pocket, but they're also able to do HDR. So that's hu- huge upgrade right there. The next a big upgrade they did is they released a wireless audio kit so you can hook this up to the bottom of the Osmo Pocket and then you can record wireless audio and the third big thing they did actually which was a big complaint and accessory makers kind of they addressed it with wide angle lenses is they actually made the FOV wider with the new Osmo Pocket 2 because if you're vlogging you really want something at least closer to 20 millimeters and so I think the new Osmo Pocket is around 24 millimeters so that's at least slightly better. It doesn't seem like this is should be the Osmo Pocket 2. It's not really worthy of that name. It's, it's like a 1.5 kind
0: of yeah.
1: This, you know, I really would have liked to have seen a slightly like everyone really wants to see a one inch sensor. That's what everyone's kind of like hoping one day we might see from DJI. But for the time being, they stuck with you know the half inch sensor and it's still you know is marketed more towards consumers than pros. But I've used it a lot of times on shoots that are not. Like I wouldn't say professional, but you can get good quality stuff if you need a quick shot in a pinch. It's a great thing to uh, pick up and try. It's only three hundred and fifty dollars for the entry level, like just Osmo Pocket Two alone. And then if you want to go the pro kit with that wireless uh, audio kit and bundle, that's yeah, gonna be around five hundred. So yeah, shipping uh, November first, and I already pre-ordered mine, so gonna be having some comparisons between that and the original Osmo Pocket definitely. But yeah, if you're into you know smaller gimbals, that's what you want. Bigger stuff, and you know you already have your good cameras. Potentially, you might be looking at these new gimbals from DJI, which is okay. Now they they took out the name Ronin from their gimbal line, so now it's just the DJI
0: RS2 and the DJI RSC2. Kind of confusing uh, with the naming, in my opinion. But yeah, these these gimbals look absolutely incredible, specifically the rs2 i mean this is the pro gimbal that can hold up to 10 pounds of camera gear and that's being rated for things like the osmo pocket excuse me the black magic pocket cinema that does not fit in your pocket whatsoever no um, but it's a 6k camera they're tested with the canon 1dx mark 3 with the 24-70 to lens and just a whole lot of cameras for higher end production shoots.
1: Yeah, the RS2 is now their. You know, originally when they released the original Ronin S, it was kind of on the edge of pro. It was like this is you know your kind of prosumer. You're you're out there shooting, uh, you know, your single indie film maybe, but your cinema quality films are gonna and your TV quality and and real real commercials are gonna be shot on maybe the Ronin two, and not a single handed gimbal now they've seemed to have switched it where the RS2 is actually aimed more at the pros and like the cinema line with the ability to carry a RED camera or an Alexa. Like that's definitely cinema cameras for sure. And the big things they've added beyond just making it stronger is they've added the new RavenEye wireless video transmission, which can transmit uh, right from the camera uh, to the both onto the handle, which has a built-in screen now. Uh, you can see it right there, as well as send it to other devices, so that you can, you know, both view it and you can also enable active
0: track, which they've now included, which is something I've been saying for a long
1: time. They need to like have. It's in
0: their drones. They should just bring it to their yep. gimbals, and they're they're doing that with the RavenEye accessory and the DJI application as well. Yeah. And I think the other huge thing was the focusing system, right? Yeah. The focusing system now it's not even out, so this is. <laughs> Uh, the,
1: the thing with these, um, the gimbals that annoys me a little bit is they advertise a lot of features with these new gimbals, and it's all add-ons and accessories that you need to get, you know, later, and that potentially might not even be out. So, I forget what the new focusing system is called. I don't know if they actually have a name for it, but it's basically, it's a 3D, um, like, like the LiDAR that they're putting on the pack of the new iPhones, and it sits on top of your camera, and it's able to get, like, millimeter precision focus. And then using a focus motor, which is attached to a ring on your camera, it can manually then adjust it to the right setting. Now, yeah. I, the question I have is I wonder how easy it is to set that up because just thinking that through, that means you have to calibrate your lens exactly right so that you know when the sensor on the top goes, oh, we need to set it to, I don't know, 10 feet, 2 inches, it can pull it to the right focus setting.
0: Yeah, so what you have to do is this system only works with lenses that – have a sort fixed, of fixed rotation. Yeah, like cinema lenses. And you have to, I think, calibrate it once at a distance of one meter and then once at a distance of four meters. So I think about 10 feet. And once you set those calibration points, you can actually save them to a profile. So if you're using the same, same lens, lens again, over and over. you'll be good to go. Uh, but once you do that calibration, it is really accurate. And what's amazing is it works in low light environments. Like it's it's not dependent on the lens or the image that the camera is seeing. It's using the photons it's actually, of light. It's actually sending its own light out, basically, exactly. invisible light. But. So all of those cinema quality lenses you have that are manual focus, you can now use with this autofocus system. I think that's really cool. Yeah. So that's now, kind of the, now the, the b-
1: big thing though for this is pricing. As I said, the RS2 is now the more pro uh, gimbal, and as a result, it's going to be more expensive. Starts at eight hundred and fifty dollars, and then for the pro combo version of that, it's going to be actually a thousand. Now let's talk about the RSC, too, because this is the one that's going to be probably more popular among, uh, like, this is the one I
0: was really looking at. It's like for YouTubers, vloggers. Yeah,
1: it's it's definitely really focused at being compact. It only has a 6.6-pound uh, payload capacity, so that's, I mean, I say only, but that's, you know, able to handle most mirrorless and DSLR cameras out there on the market, and it does have a screen built into the handle now, but it's only just a black and white screen for settings, which is still huge compared to the previous generations, like, You know, always having to dive into your phone to do settings was such a pain. So now they brought, basically, it looks like a similar idea as the Osmo Pocket, except for uh, it's not a, you know, color screen. It's only black and white. So you can use that to adjust uh, the settings on the handle. It folds up a lot more compact than the previous generation, which is something that for me was a huge thing. You know, this gimbal is supposed to be compact, you know, single-handed, not a dual handle like the original Ronin M, but yet you, like, it couldn't, couldn't fold up very small, so... I had a uh friend who wanted a gimbal and I was like, you know, I don't think uh, the Ronin series is right for you. There are other ones out there. Now, with this one, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be open to a lot more people who are potentially looking for like for travel and stuff like that.
0: Kind of a big overarching improvement is the improvements they made to the motors. They're now 50% yeah. more powerful across the board for the RSC2 and the RS2, and this is going to allow for more powerful and also more stable movements DJI is promoting Active Trek 3.0 uh, that is powered by the Titan stabilization algorithm. Another cool yeah. feature is you can instantly switch between landscape and portrait mode. And DJ also announced a feature, I don't know, is this a gimmick or are people actually going to use it? But it's like an infinite barrel roll. That's well, more...
1: this, this was for the, what's it called, the RS2, I'm pretty sure. Infinite. So it's not on the RSC2, it's not on the little brother? I'm not sure. But yeah, either way, yeah, the, a lot of these features are very gimmicky. The thing you need to know about the RSC2 is that it starts at $500, but to get the ActiveTrack 3.0 you mentioned, you got to get the upgrade with the Pro Combo, which includes the RavenEye 1080p video transmitter as well, as I think it includes a servo for doing uh, focus from the handle, and that's going to be $740. And the weird thing about that is that it was backordered from the instant that they announced it.
0: So do you think the RavenEye unit is back ordered itself and i
1: I think well i think they didn't have enough supply potentially and so they wanted to prioritize those who were going to pay more for the rs2 with
0: uh, the yeah that makes a lot of right. sense but, because yeah. the raven eye works for both gimbals yeah but either way those are the Ronin yeah. gimbals uh do we have anything else from dji well we
1: we wouldn't have if we had recorded this on the sunday or the saturday you know on the weekend like we usually do but because we kind of pushed it back uh, I was, you know, I was getting through tasty Twitter. Morsel. And we got something that's not official yet, but it's as close to as official as you can get because someone actually walked into a Best Buy, I'm not sure where it was, but somewhere in the United States and saw, "Hey, what's that drone on the shelf?" That says Mini 2. Wait, is that a Mavic Mini 2? Well, it's not a Mavic Mini 2 because they changed the name, but it is the DJI Mini 2, the follow-up to their original Super Light Mavic Mini, which I have actually sitting right in front of me here. And this one, uh, yeah, this is pretty incredible what they did with this drone. I, a lot of people are saying they potentially killed off the Mavic Air 2. Like, there's not a lot of reasons to still get it. I still think it's, there's some major compelling reasons. Maybe we'll have a whole episode dedicated to which DJI drones are better uh, in the future. But anyways, the new Mavic Mini two, or sorry, Mini 2 is going to start at around $450 for the standard version, $600 for the combo version. At least that's what rumored pricing is and what's new with this drone well the big thing is 4k yeah they needed that yeah original mini 2 is 2.7k which you've seen the video i filmed with it it
0: it looks good it's like okay for the price you're paying for the drone yeah but for 400 bucks it's really we're looking for that next step up and i think this fits in perfectly with dji's product line because now with mavic pro 3 that's going to be shooting 6k yeah i think it's going to be okay for them to bring the 4k sensor down to the mini 2 yeah it's
1: it's really uh you know in today's world if you're not shooting 4k like or at least have the option to shoot 4k it's kind of like what are you even bothering with? You know? Right, right. I I don't know if it'll be 4K 30 or 4K 60. It'll probably no. They won't do 4K 60. It'll be 4K 30. The Mavic Air 2 will still have 4K 60 and 4K HDR on it as like the little upgrade uh, and the reason why people would want to go with it. But this new uh, Mavic or the new Mini 2 will also have a 31 minute flight time, which is I think that's about what the original one had actually. It's pretty close to, or maybe it was 28, uh, which is yeah, very good flight time. And it's going to have this, the other big upgrade is OcuSync 2.0 with the same controller or almost identical controller as the Mavic Air 2. And I was just flying the Mavic Mini actually the other day. Oh man. And the range was so bad. And I was like, I'd forgotten how bad it was, especially when you're in a city environment because it was using uh, the extended Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi Plus basically. And on the same frequencies as all the Wi-Fi devices that we have around. So by using OcuSync 2.0 in this new Mavic Mini 2, it's yeah it's gonna get a lot better range they're advertising 10 kilometers and uh hd video transmission which will be great otherwise rounding out you get a panorama mode quick shots unfortunately no active track because they're keeping that exclusively with the mavic line with the mavic air 2 and mavic uh, 2 pro but yeah this is gonna be great look for it november 5th i think is what uh, the rumored launch date is
0: and yeah anything else to add about that i mean I'm excited. It's going to be a fantastic entry level drone, and I think it's going to sell really well this holiday season. Uh, So, I think I I almost want to say that's it from DJI. Is it? Yeah, I mean, it's insane what
1: they've been doing. Why did they they just help everything right here till the end? Uh, And, you know, I'm kind of hopeful maybe we'll see an Osmo action too, but I don't think so. I think they might have given up to GoPro on that. So, but speaking of cameras, we did see a bunch of new cameras. Uh, Let's. You know, let's just gloss over some of them because, the for one, Nikon Z7 and Z6 Mark II, uh, those dropped about a week and a half ago. They're follow-ups to the original Z6 and Z7 uh, that are the full-frame mirrorless cameras from Nikon. They're not the biggest upgrades. They're kind of more slight iteration. They are eventually going to get 4K60 internal recording via a software update. And I talked to one photographer who actually has the original Z7, and he was interested in upgrading because... It does shoot at a faster frame rate. So he's a wildlife photographer. He was like, you know, having 14 frames per second versus 10 is a huge upgrade for me. So I can see that. But otherwise, if you're hoping for something big like 5K recording or 4K 120, like the, you know, the a7S III, you're probably gonna have to wait a little longer uh, for Nikon.
0: I think it's great that Nikon is updating these though, because it makes it, uh, it's like a great entry-level option for consumers like if you're just getting into Nikon or just getting into well, I mean the Z7 Mark II is not entry-level Well, the, is
1: it the Z6? The Z6 is slightly more entry-level. I mean the Z5 is really their Entry-level mirrorless full-frame.
0: Well, I think anyone who's just starting to buy or just going yeah, to buy one Yeah, like, the, it's Z, better the to buy Z6 this one. Mark
1: II is kind of gonna be like their A7 III still, I think, or like the R, R, R6.
0: What are these uh, reselling for? Do we uh, reselling?
1: I'm pretty sure the price on the R R6 Mark II is going to be 2400, I think, starting price, and then on the or sorry, on the Z6 Mark
0: II. Gosh, there's so many product names, so many categories, so yeah. many bad naming conventions. I see why.
1: I kind of do see why DJI is getting rid of some of the names and letters in their, uh, you know, in their new products, right? Right, it does but, make sense. Yeah, all right, so it's actually, the Z6 Mark II is actually only 1999 so $2,000, and the Z7 Mark II is $3,000, so kept it pretty simple on pricing, and I think that's about what the original ones were going for. Now, we also saw another mirrorless camera from Fuji. This is their APS-C. You know, Fujifilm is just sticking with that, we're not going full frame uh, They're thing. They're scared. Yeah. They're not ready for it it's a big upgrade for them but they're sticking with the APS-C and they've proven that it's very capable uh their new camera
0: is going to be aimed more at kind of your this is your budget budget minded this is like like your entry level youtuber i think because you have the canon 90d which is canon's uh it's a proper dslr shoots 4k 30 frames per second uh with an APS-C size sensor the Fujifilm xs10 again APS-C size sensor will also shoot up to 4k 30 frames per second And it similarly has the flip out screen, and uh, you're just getting Fujifilm's color science with a a lot of people tend to enjoy, and you're also getting uh, some nice kind of design tweaks and improvements from Fujifilm. And considering this only starts at $1,000, I think this is a really strong option uh, for people interested in kind of upgrading to a a 4K mirrorless camera uh, for filming, YouTubing, or, or kind of more casual video creation, I would say.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely comparable to this is comparable to the Z five and maybe like uh I'm trying to think which Canon. Yeah, the, I guess the the ninety D would be the closest yeah, one. Yeah, Canon
0: doesn't really they don't really have the
1: lineup. They're they're doing their own well, thing. Well they do have they did release a mirrorless camera of their own. They released the EOS Mark fifty or M fifty Mark two, sorry. Which starts at
0: 600 So this, this is your, is this a budget mirrorless the, Now we're getting down there. This, this is, is like yeah. the same price as a gently used smartphone. So yeah. you could get a really good upgrade. There's a lot
1: of caveats though with this camera. Uh, you know, it doesn't have 4K video. I'm pretty sure, I at least it, with the autofocus, it has only 4K 24 frames yeah. per second. And it's a severe crop. So it's major asterisks with, um, with, you know, when they say 4K. And it also, like, it's really basically just the same as the previous generation. They added a couple features, but it's not, a lot of people were hoping, like, for real 4K and some real nice features, and it really feels like Canon's kind of abandoned this very popular camera line uh, and is, you know, opting to put, put more focus on their higher tiers camera, you know, like the R line and stuff like that. You can mirrorless.
0: use the M52 as a webcam, which is yes, nice, so With it could be, new, could be great for app. YouTube live streaming. You do have tap to focus, as you mentioned, Gabe. I mean, there's not a whole lot new here, and in my opinion, Canon kind of uh, continues to disappoint with some of their offerings, uh, particularly for filmmakers at, at this stage in the game. So, they, let's, they, they let's talk about a, a, a yeah. weird camera they announced because they did <laughs> announce. <laughs> That's what they're the champion of
1: this year has yeah. been weird cameras. Weird cameras Hit for me. sure. All right, so this is the Canon Powershot Zoom, and what? I, yeah, I, I'm someone who's I've. Bought uh, and tested out a lot of different, you know, super zoom cameras because while I shoot mainly on like full frame uh, cameras nowadays and like, you know, I'm spending several thousand dollars potentially on camera and a mirrorless camera, uh, like lens setup, I'm not willing to drop like $20,000 to get the, you know, the appropriate focal distance, uh, you know, like maybe 800 millimeters or so and uh, to get that really good wildlife shot. So I've been interested in super zoom cameras, which are basically usually under a thousand dollars and have a smaller sensor compact note detachable lens but offer incredible zoom yeah so the, the smaller sensor is what helps you achieve that greater uh, yeah. zoom focal length with yeah the crop and also factor. while keeping the price low now this is not one of those this is kind of looks like i don't i, I don't know kind of almost looks like an arlo security camera
0: or a rangefinder for like golf oh my god i actually so it's the Powershot zoom is like um, when I was a kid, I had this like toy spy kit. And one of the items was this uh, sort of single eye, like, small like telescope. A mon- monocular. Yeah, yeah, and you just like held it up to your eye and you could like zoom in a little bit and it felt all cool and spy like. This has given me very similar vibes. It's a sort of small unit. Um, it, it does kind of look like a, a handheld telescope that someone might use at, at a sporting event to get a better look at the field or something. And honestly, that's kind of how Canon is advertising it. In their uh, Japanese website, they showed a lot of people at sporting events, not that too many people are going to those right now, (laughs) but uh, kind of zooming into the action and not only being able to watch the game at a better viewing distance, uh, but also being able to capture and record the game with the 12 megapixel sensor that the PowerShot Zoom has. And the focal range is actually pretty impressive. It goes from 100 to 400 millimeters with digital zoom up to 800 well, millimeters. Well, the key thing
1: is, is it's just a jump. It's not like a zoom. It's like you either have option for 100 millimeters, 400 millimeters, or 800 millimeters. So that's definitely different than a regular camera. Now, I think this does have its market. It's definitely not for photographers, definitely not for videographers. But if you want something that you can bring with you, because that is the downside with a lot of cameras, it's, you know, you can't easily slip them in your pocket. And especially ones that have incredible zoom, they're definitely not going in your pocket like this. You can easily put in a pocket and almost forget about it until you're like, Oh wow, there's that bird up there. And let me, you know, quickly zoom in. And it really addresses the one big issue of, you know, your smartphone cameras, which is when you see, I just, this past week saw two owls in the top of a tree and only had my smartphone on me. And like, Trying to take a picture of that, it basically you couldn't even tell what it was, you know, two little blobs exactly. on top of a tree. So yeah, this has a very good market for three hundred dollars. Uh, definitely, you know, if you have a birder in your life, uh, could be a good Christmas present potentially for them. So yeah, that's pretty much it for cameras. We did see, you know, we saw the One Plus Eight T, which honestly,
0: One One Plus, I don't know, I'm I'm not too excited about their stuff anymore. I, I kind of share a similar sentiment I mean I I like what they're doing I just feel their phones are too big and they're not including the LTE and 5G antenna bands uh, that I would want in a phone to be able to work on all of the networks here in the United States they've previously been limited basically to AT&T and T-Mobile with very little Verizon support so I don't know it's just it's not as exciting as I think it could be because
1: they're not including that we're not including (laughs) that in the podcast for now we did see a phone Targeted more, honestly, at the India, the market, right, you know, or South Asia, like the Philippines, but still, I think, will be available in the U.S., right? I, I
0: hope so. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Probably not sure. knowing our luck. So, it's the Samsung Galaxy A42 5G. That's the one, correct? Uh, and this is one of the most affordable 5G smartphones starting at 350 pounds in the U.K., available November 6th. All right,
1: convert that to U.S. dollars. That's about 450, right? 460.
0: Yep, right around there. And it it looks like a great budget phone from Samsung, right? Of course, they're promoting all of these crazy specs, like an octa-core processor, a quad array of cameras on the back for your ultra-wide, main camera, macro camera, and depth camera. You have that uh, beautiful edge-to-edge display on the front, um, but yeah, it is going to be a budget phone, and you're probably going to see kind of a little bit more budget performance, kind of. Uh, potentially lower quality camera yeah i mean i mean the thing that i noticed just looking at specs
1: well for one all the videos on youtube are uh, filmed and created by people in india which is kind of cool to see the different channels i would never seen before but it just shows how much it's not targeted to the u.s market but yeah the big thing it's not a full it's not actually a full hd screen it's hd plus so it's not even full 1080p by 1920 uh it does offer you know 5g but it's the snapdragon uh, 750 5G, not the 765 processor. You get a 48-megapixel main camera, 8-megapixel wide camera, but then the two other cameras which they chuck on there are a 5-megapixel depth and a 5-megapixel macro camera, which is like, who even cares about those? Uh, it does have an on-screen fingerprint reader, which is, you've had mixed results with those. I don't like it. It's yeah. not, like, okay. it's not well, better. That doesn't that's sound like, mixed.
0: That sounds more like, no. No, it's not a better solution. Yeah. Like, they market it as the next-generation technology, and it's just, like... What Pixel 5 is doing, putting it back on the back of the phone, that's where a fingerprint reader should be. So much faster, so much more reliable. But it it. it does offer a 5,000 milliamp battery as well. So really, it
1: checks some key boxes for people looking for a budget phone. Namely, it has fast speeds. It has nice battery. It has a good couple cameras. And it has uh, the fingerprint reader. I guess not that great. It'll get the job. It'll done. It'll get the job done. So at its price point, yeah. I if it comes to the U.S. market, uh, definitely keep an eye out. If not, maybe you can find some selling online. I don't know. That'd be interesting to see. But that was it for smartphones. Last two things, we got some audio type stuff. First off, maybe we got another reason to spend more money on this podcast if we ever start making money off <laughs> this podcast. But that was the Sure MV7. A digital version basically of the popular SM7B microphone and what you're getting with this I mean actually okay it's not they're not actually saying it's a digital version of the popular SM7B but that's kind of what how it's been you know talked about uh, in videos and stuff online if you haven't heard of the SM7B it's basically if you've watched the Jerry Rogan podcast or pretty much any podcast out there it's the podcast mic that everyone's using from streamers, gamers, yeah, it's it's a very good dynamic microphone, and it's not very sensitive. So you can do, you know, if you're super far away from the mic like this, where our mics kind of sound pretty bad, sure, SM7B pretty much just smooths everything out. This one, however, is going to be cheaper. So instead of like 400 bucks for the SM7B, the MV7 is only going to be $250. So slightly more in the range of your, you know, person just starting out, potentially streaming. Uh, and also the nice thing, because it's digital and also has an XLR cable. You can start by just plugging it into your computer with the micro USB cable, but then eventually if you want to upgrade your sound a little bit, you can get an audio
0: interface and plug the XLR cable in. So I I really like that option. I think it's a great product from Sure. I'm really disappointed they went with... Are you sure about that? I'm sure about it. I'm disappointed they went with micro USB. That is such a head-scratcher in 2020, especially at $250. Yeah, it really is, but I feel like it keeps the cost down. I don't know how, but... I feel like USB-C should be, I mean, the new budget phone we just talked about is USB-C. Like what, how could yeah, they not?
1: I, I'm not quite sure. I know DJI did this last year with the Mavic
0: Mini, but then they corrected it with the new Mini, Mini 2 that they haven't released yet. I just, so, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be a great option. A little perplexing. And the sound should be awesome. And it looks like it actually had a really good software program on the computer as well. The well I think it's it. actually only on the app is what it seemed to be.
1: Oh, okay. It's only on the smartphone. I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, It just was released literally yesterday. Again, another product that if we had recorded earlier, we wouldn't have gotten in this episode. So if you're looking for a new mic, definitely check out the Shure MV7. going to be very popular among streamers,
0: gamers, and podcasters alike. And if you're looking for new headphones, you may consider LG's new wireless earbuds. What's cool about these is they now have active noise cancellation, and they come in a carrying case that actually kills germs, so it's baked in, the case has UV light in it, so when you put the earbuds in to charge them up, then uh, the UV light turns on, and it helps disinfect the earbuds, which I think is kind of a a cool, unique perk, and especially in today's time, this makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, Battery life is looking decent, you get five hours with active noise canceling turned on, seven hours with it turned off, and you can get up to 15 hours with the case, uh, that is the wireless charging case. So. It's uh, we don't have the pricing. Yeah, unfortunately, we yet. don't have the
1: important thing, which is how much it's going to cost. I don't
0: get how com- like companies can do that—just release a product without pricing. Like that boggles my mind. Yeah. Uh, but keep your eyes out for it because those headphones uh, could be good. Of course, there's plenty of other wireless earbuds on the market, uh, which is great. You're getting some great options to choose between. All right, woo! That was all the new products that uh, came out in the past
1: two weeks. Yeah, I think two. I don't know. It's it's insane. We're almost done with Techtober, but we did also have some news of just other, you know, tech-related stuff happening. First off, we had PayPal announcing that now this is definitely a big asterisks here that it's adding crypto buying and selling, and this got a lot of people excited. It caused the price of Bitcoin to jump a ton. But the big caveat here is they're not actually really handling or or offering any transaction or like sending crypto to like one wallet or another, which is the big thing that. You know people like to do is you know you you have uh instead of using like venmo or something you basically use the blockchain to send payments to someone else and they're not offering wallets for people they're basically going oh instead of keeping your money in dollars on paypal you could keep it in a balance of bitcoin or ether or something Can you like that. use
0: that to pay for something like if you-, you
1: could use it well that's that's the interesting thing that they are offering for example is if you want to pay for something in bitcoin
0: it will immediately, um, you know, convert it and then pay for it in U.S. dollars. That so, so that's interesting. I mean, the fact they're missing out on the peer-to-peer transactions. Like, why would I put it in PayPal when I can put it in another platform, get that extra functionality? Uh, but it is kind of cool. And I guess if you can pay for it, like that, can make Bitcoin a more viable option for yeah. uh, paying for stuff Though, online. I mean, really, the you know the amount of
1: people paying for something in Bitcoin is very small at this point. This might cause it to go up, but. You know, it seems like if you asked anyone in the past 10 years, five years, were you happy that you paid for something in Bitcoin five years ago? They're going to say, oh, oh, no, I I paid three Bitcoins for a coffee at Starbucks five years ago. Why? You know, that's like so it's definitely big to see a huge player like this come out and really support Bitcoin. And I can I can guarantee banks all around the world are like scrambling to do something to offer, you know, cryptocurrencies as well, but. Yeah, this is, this is exciting to see when they roll it out, what it will look like, and I'm definitely, as someone who's a big
0: proponent of cryptocurrencies, I'm definitely excited to see this happening. Next up, we do have some smartphone news. Uh, one thing I wanted to clarify is we did our bonus episode covering the new Pixel 4a 5G and the Pixel 5, and uh, one thing that... Well, actually, we didn't do an episode for that. We did a live stream that we did a live failed stream. miserably. And one thing I wanted to clarify is that the Pixel 4a 5G, there is an exclusive version on Verizon that is $100 more expensive. So in order to get millimeter 5G support on Verizon, you have to pay $100 extra for Pixel 4a 5G. And the other Pixel 4a, the regular one, that is gonna work uh, with the sub-6 gigahertz 5G, I believe on T-Mobile. And I think AT&T is sub-6 as well. Um, but yeah, so just something to keep in mind. Another news, we we briefly mentioned OnePlus. Uh, the co-founder, Carl Pei, has actually left the company to start kind of his own adventure. And this is following the OnePlus Nord launch here in the United States. I'm excited to see you know, where he goes and kind of what happens and also kind of uh, how OnePlus uh, continues to move forward with that. Okay, uh, Cloud Gaming, I think. Amazon, their Luna streaming service, which we covered in our Amazon hardware event podcast. So Luna is basically like Google Stadia, but by Amazon. Uh, it's available now. So, early access members can enjoy it on Fire TV, Mac, PC. Yeah,
1: I haven't gotten my. I signed up for the
0: early access and haven't gotten any notifications or email. Not You weren't in front in the, I in the wait early. I wasn't early enough, I guess. Uh, and you can also enjoy it on the web app for iOS, which is interesting. And there's no Android app yet, which I find curious because usually that's like the number one app to Super be ready easy to, go. to roll out. Uh, it, you do have to pay $6 a month for the Luna Plus gaming channel subscription. Again, the way Luna works is you subscribe to gaming channels, as they call are, are called, uh, for the games that are offered in that channel. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's exciting for Amazon to be announcing this, and I'm curious to see what the first impressions are of people who have been able to sign up and, and try who it. And who aren't like sponsored Twitch users, <laughs> yeah, like promoting it, plugging it heavily. Yeah. Um, and then some interesting iPhone news. Of course, we had iPhone 12 just come up, uh, come out this past Friday. And the silicon cases that Apple is making to go with this phone, uh, some users are receiving the cases without speaker holes. So this is a- an unusual uh, product flaw from Apple, where I guess it's the- not a product flaw. Still, they'll clearly say this is actually a new feature in the new
1: one where they can uh, save the planet by not cutting out those parts of the silicone that could go and potentially pollute the ocean.
0: Yeah, <laughs> All right? Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, Apple's been making these cases for so long, I would think they would have the manufacturing process absolutely dialed in. Some other notes about uh, iPhone is that the MagSafe charger, the $40 wireless charging puck, can leave circular imprints on these Apple Silicon cases, Apple leather cases, and other kind of cases with a, a softer material, which is, I guess, interesting, something to know about. Uh, Dolby Vision HDR, the new video feature on iPhone, is turned on by default. So make sure you go into your settings and disable that because Dolby Vision HDR is so limited in compatibility right now, you're not gonna be able to watch and enjoy uh, your footage. So I actually went in and turned that off on my phone. Um, Lastly, jumping back to the charger, it only charges at the peak 15-watt performance with Apple's 20-watt USB-C charger. The other power adapters that have been tested with the MagSafe charger aren't delivering the same performance. This includes Apple's own uh, USB-C chargers for their MacBooks. So, uh, kind of interesting to see that. All right.
1: Well, you've th- this is all. I was just I didn't even read this stuff. You spend so, way too much time in the Apple. Dude, the Apple world. Section. I love it. I think it. I think you officially get your fanboy badge. Like, <sighs> awesome! I get to wear that. Yeah. As well, if you if you've made it through all that news. Uh, and you're looking for something else non Apple related before we dive into even more Apple news with uh, talking about the iPhone. Uh, the one thing we're looking at for what's up next and you know on the radar for the coming weeks is Insta360, who I personally think is one of the most exciting camera companies out there because they're really one of the pioneering, uh, in case you didn't guess it based on their name, 360 camera makers uh, out there. They have a new camera coming uh, October or October 28th, so that's just what Thursday. Yeah, a little later this week, we'll see it coming out or maybe Wednesday even actually and so we don't really know much about this camera There's they've been pretty good about you know, keeping it under the wraps unlike DJI with their new Mavic Mini drone and What we can tell from the little teaser video is it looks like it's the same shape as their 1x Camera so we can guess this might be their 1x mark II. who knows either way. It's very exciting I have their 1r and I, I like it a lot as a 360 camera, but it would be nice to have something the form factor of the 1X, which is kind of, I think, the better design for a 360 camera. It's more tall rather than being shaped like an action camera. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on that if you're looking for a 360 camera
0: potentially. Other news Apple. Okay, I we're think back. that's, that's we're back, back to, to Apple. Me. Here we go. So, Apple is slated to have another special event. This one, rumored to be November 17th. The event will focus on the new Apple TV, AirPod Studio headphones. Actually, I've heard those are getting pushed back, so uh, that's going to be. You might get them teased, though. Maybe teased. Could be. I think they're coming likely early next year. I've heard delays on that. Most importantly, the first ARM Mac. Uh, Gabe, you and I had a debate earlier: MacBook Pro or MacBook Air. What is going to be the first Apple laptop to get the ARM processor? What do you think? I mean, I
1: could see this going one of several ways.
0: But I think generally,
1: Apple, you know, the new ARM chips, they're going to be building, they're going to be costly. They're not going to be able to have the, like, what is it, the cost per chip of just the scale of manufacturing them down low enough to put into a MacBook Air. So I think they're going to put it into a MacBook Pro first, possibly the 16-inch or maybe a new 15, I don't know. I think it will be a MacBook Pro just because the price can be higher. But potentially, honestly, the, the thing I teased at the end was of our little convo earlier was maybe they just come out with a new line or a complete just MacBook no, refresh. No, no, I think back.
0: I think it's gonna be the MacBook Air because uh, the developer kit Apple shipped had the same processor as the iPad Pro. And so if you're dealing with kind of a more mobile-focused processor that's still reasonably powerful, that's perfect for a MacBook Air device where you get uh, the speed and power improvements but you also get excellent battery life because of the power efficiencies of the new processor. Or That's, maybe maybe
1: they release the first touchscreen MacBook. I'd be so down for like that. Like the MacBook Pad or something.
0: It. What, what would they call it? I I don't know. MacBook, maybe it is MacBook a new Touch. product, a new product category. Yeah,
1: I could see them actually using this event to launch a full new
0: uh, MacBook thing. But we'll have to see. That's still what something is that, for everyone. Three weeks away, almost. Yeah, we will be getting macOS Big Sur finally released or at least the release date announced. And Big Sur is the latest upgrade to your Apple computer operating system uh, with a very interesting design refresh, Uh, something new. Also, we just had iPhones come out, and of course, what better way- Wait, Forbes has an article here, 20
1: shocking things that suddenly make
0: the iPhone 13 the
1: iPhone you will want to get. (gasps) No, oh wait, that's complete clickbait, what? But yeah, the new iPhone 12s are out, so of course the rumors about the iPhone 13 are starting already, and yeah, let's. I guess this kind of segues nicely into our main topic, which is should you buy the iPhone 12? And you know, really the only reason right off the bat that people aren't aren't going to buy the iPhone 12 is because one of the big features we thought we'd see in the iPhone 12 models, namely the faster refresh display, uh, hopefully 120 hertz, maybe even 90 hertz only, is you know, delayed until next year and didn't really materialize in this year's phones.
0: I actually heard that the iPhone 12 models, like they're shipping with a 120 hertz panel and it's disabled and locked to 60 hertz because they weren't able to get the quality they were looking for out of the units. That's why it's delayed to next year. Also, I think because of battery, battery issues, life too, yeah. the 5G uh, chips inside the new iPhone 12s uh, that can take a battery hit when you're constantly connecting to 5G and turning off the 120 hertz does help improve battery life. The other big rumor is because of the new MagSafe connector, I mean, it's pretty clear at this point that all new iPhones going forward will have MagSafe built in, and that is the new magnet array on the back that allows your phone to easily line up with a wireless charger and also works with compatible accessories. Uh, That could point to a potentially portless design where the iPhone ditches lightning entirely, skips USB Type-C and goes straight to uh, the MagSafe connector uh, only. And that's actually kind of interesting because would that mean iPhone 13 would have to ship with MagSafe in the box? Well, I I don't think iPhone 13 will be
1: portless yet. You think think it'll be 14? I think we'll have to see at least one more generation before we really go portless, potentially. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. But anyways, getting to whether or not you should buy an iPhone 12, and this is, in general, just... Not just the 12, but you know, 12 Pro, 12 Pro Max, 12 Mini, really any of the new iPhones basically is what we're using 12 as a stand-in for. And I've got this question from people on my YouTube channel, from you know friends, from parents, from basically everyone out there. I feel like is I'm dealing with it personally, trying to figure out if I should buy uh, you know the new 12 Pro Max and upgrade from my current 10s Max. So this is on a lot of people's minds for sure.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, every year the new iPhones come out. Question is, should I upgrade, or like, how far back in generations do you have to go where you finally hit the phone where it's like, all right, this is a definite upgrade, yeah, and then you should maybe consider upgrading at up a certain. Well, model. first off, all right. So if you have an iPhone 11, the only real reason I can see to upgrade is the 5G. I I wouldn't even say that to be honest, because we're at a point right now where the 5G deployments are. Uh, so T-Mobile is using what's called low band and the speed improvement is like plus 20%, so it's like 4G LTE plus. Like but if you um, if you live in a city, and it, say maybe you
1: don't have Wi-Fi, maybe you just go everything over LTE, you have an unlimited plan, and you want, you know, if you have actual 5G you've confirmed in your area, millimeter-wave 5G, that would be the main reason I'd see to
0: upgrade. Yeah, I mean, it's so limited, uh, but if you are in one of those areas, those markets that has it, I mean, the speeds are incredible, you're pulling easily over gigabit per second speeds, uh, and truly, truly. Yes. I mean, incredible. you could actually even you could have Wi-Fi now and be like, I'll just ditch my Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Verizon will let you do unlimited hotspot over the 5G connection at this point. So that could be that could be a great reason. I think for most people, probably not. I think oftentimes the big reason is the cameras because yeah. you know people are trying to capture all of their special moments throughout their life. They want to save these memories so you know. yeah it's like you always want a good camera because that's the
1: one you're going to always have on you so if you know if you're stuck capturing with a crappy camera those are, memories are preserved in crap. crap crap quality <laughs> you have forever. a crap life as determined by your camera quality so i mean there is definitely some upgrades we were just out uh, testing out the new iphone 12 taking some night photos especially and that's the biggest upgrade i would say is the upgrade to night night vision or whatever. Night Sight. Night Sight and with the Deep Fusion. Actually, Night Sight's Google, so it's just night mode.
0: It's night mode, yeah. Getting my brands mixed up here. So
1: I think that's definitely an upgrade, but it's not like what we saw with the iPhone 11. That
0: was a major camera upgrade, I feel like, over the previous generation. I honestly didn't feel like it when the phones first came out, but I think with Deep Fusion and I think with night mode, those were kind of the big features there. Yeah. Um. And so the iPhone 12. I think we should just start like, as Gabe said, if you're an iPhone 11 user or even iPhone 11 Pro, you should only upgrade if you're an Apple fanboy. You love getting the, the oh, latest. yeah. If, and if you're on
1: like the yearly refresh. Yeah. Like, that's fine.
0: Find... Uh. If you want the best camera that Apple has to offer. Yep. Easy upgrade. And uh. 5G. That's that's an easy upgrade. Otherwise, the camera improvements seem very limited well, well, okay
1: there's a slight caveat here now if oh, you have yeah, the true. iphone 11 uh pro max or any of those ones or if you have the iphone 11 and you're willing to upgrade to the larger size of the iphone 12 pro max that potentially is of all the models of the iphone's launched actually i guess if you wanted a smaller iphone than the one you currently have you could maybe go with the iphone 12 mini i think that's so cute that's that's, that's be one such a option phone but potentially if you're looking for better cameras the real argument to Upgrade to the new iPhones is the 12 Pro Max because that's actually the one that they really put actual new cameras on not just like You know tweak the that's correct settings So and stuff.
0: basically what happened is with the iPhone 12 mini the iPhone 12 and the iPhone 12 Pro They all got a new seven element lens for the main wide-angle camera then the ultra wide angle and the true depth camera on the front Those all stayed the same, but they got, because of the A14 Bionic processor, improvements to the image processing. So they can now take night mode photos, and they now have the capability to use Deep Fusion, which is Apple's photo processing that combines multiple images and exposures for enhanced detail. So those images, the ultra wide angle camera lens got substantial improvements, and uh, the regular wide angle, it got a a wider aperture, f1.6, so a little bit better low light, but overall, I would say more minor improvements. Yeah. And then... I will say the 12 Pro did get the LiDAR sensor. So, so it will probably have better autofocus and portrait mode. Yep. So, and that allows it to do portrait mode at night. Potentially. Uh, but that's still... That's not... Such a <laughs> limited use case. Yeah. It's really not a huge improvement
1: uh, for camera image quality-wise, which will, like will most people would notice. Now, okay. The 12 Pro Max,
0: what did that get? This got the brand spankin' new sensor. And this is the largest camera sensor we've ever had in an iPhone. And, and along with the uh, new seven element lens, and it also got an improved stabilization method. So it's using sensor shift stabilization, where the actual camera sensor itself is moving up and down inside the iPhone with adjustments made 5,000 times per second. This allows you to take I think up to a two second exposure for a handheld th- shot. I think
1: it's so great how you memorized all these stats. Like I, I guess I'm not paying enough attention to Apple's uh, keynotes and stuff because, like, the five thousand times per second. I bet you could even ask someone at an Apple store that, and they wouldn't know.
0: They'd have to look it like up. How many
1: times per second is it adjusting?
0: Hey, hey, Joe. They like radio in <laughs> on the on the. How many how many times per second is it? Yeah, like I, the Apple developers don't
1: even know it. They had to learn it for the. Uh, press, you know conference in the keynote, but that is it, it's basically Translates to it. it's a lot more stable. It's doing a lot more adjustments per second. So you can take better uh, Like handheld photography at night and you can also get better stabilization for video.
0: Yep And the second camera that got improvements uh, is a whole new sensor actually is the telephoto So this went from a 52 millimeter focal length to a 56 millimeter focal length. Is it 56 or
1: is it 60? Either way,
0: Ooh. it's it's more zoomed in. That's all that matters. And this
1: is, you know, really great because you can get a lot. I mean, not a lot closer photos, but definitely I've never been using the telephoto lens and been like, you know what I wish this 65, I think. Yeah. You know what I wish this was more zoomed out? Like, I've never thought that about the telephoto lens on any smartphone. So I've always wanted more zoomed in. So I'm glad Apple went that way.
0: And we'll have to see how it actually, uh, you know performs when it's being used i think that's a great uh focal i think it is actually 65 and i think it's going to be a fantastic focal length i love i i love shooting at that i mean it's it's just a wonderful it's wonderful that's all i can say about it so anyways the 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 problem i want to jump in here (laughs) the phone isn't out yet so we're like Everyone is yeah, making we're these. We're talking about
1: a hypothetical phone right now. The 12 Pro and the 12 have both shipped and people are you know, out there making videos, testing them. them out. Yeah, we were testing them out the other night and you know, we know a lot about them. What we don't know about, well, the 12 Mini, I guess, we basically know is the same as the 12, but the 12 Pro Max is the one that still you know, hasn't shipped. Pre-orders start on the 6th of November and so that's over a week away right after the election, right after all hell breaks loose. We'll have that phone going out for pre-order. And so, yeah, we're still a little bit kind of hanging in limbo there. But I would say that if you're looking for the ultimate upgrade, you know, you want to have the best new iPhone camera and you, you're going to have to go with the biggest phone. So, I'm, you know, for a lot of people, that's a deal breaker. Yeah,
0: I can't do it. Like, I, that's a
1: hard, hard stop. for Which me. is insane because we're like both the same height. You were both like six, six, four, six, five. And I should th- do like a. Palm I think I palm. have slight, slightly bigger hands, so potentially more used to it. I, I don't. I really but don't like Yeah, it. I've been using the Max or Plus version of our iPhones since I think the seven, or that's basically right. when they introduced it. And I've never looked back. I always thought, hey, I'm a big sized person. I should be using a big sized phone. You know, it's made for me. Now I know a lot of people that that's a major like they do not like the twelve is too big for them, and they were going for the twelve mini now. So I understand that if you you know you don't want to go with the 12 Pro Max, but potentially then wait to upgrade next year when they bring possibly those cameras from the 12 Pro Max to the 13. I hope or whatever. so. Do you think that's going to go 12?
0: They might keep it 12S? exclusive. I mean, that's like... No, I a, mean, I was just thinking name-wise. Oh, no, they'll definitely do 13. Th- Ooh, but 13 is such an awkward number. Yeah. I was thinking they might do a Samsung and do it by year, but... Yeah, potentially. Um, well, anyways... No. All right, we talked about the iPhone
1: 11. Now, what about iPhone 10s?
0: Yes, this is where we get into a gray area. Yeah. And I would say it comes down to a couple of things. Like, how do you use your phone? And what are you looking for in a new phone? It, again, if you like cameras, like 5G, boom, upgrade. I say it's worth it. However, However this, this is the thing I think here with cameras. It's not only
1: camera, you know, image, like hardware you're, you're getting upgraded to. Is you're getting the new software. Yeah. Because right? the... 10s uh line of iphones they're not getting right now the deep fusion are they or no deep fusion no, no night, night, mode. night mode so yeah there's two big things that you haven't gotten and uh, in the if, last year if you have the
0: years. 10s that means you already spent the thousand dollars on the phone so you're getting the 12 pro all of a sudden you're looking at lidar for night mode portrait shots you're getting the ultra wide angle camera lens that's going to be new for you as well and you're getting that updated design which i think is however really you nice. are
1: losing 3d touch which is Oh my God something we're both we just, both are using I've been using the 10s phones. I've been using the 10s max Stetson's been using the regular 10s and those have been our daily drivers and we both were very sad when the 11 came out and Apple said they were getting rid of 3D touch. So that is something that if you currently you might not even know what we're talking about, you probably are fine upgrading. If you do know <laughs> what we're talking about and you know you're you're someone who likes to deep press into their phone, which is hard to even describe and that's probably why Apple got rid of it then you might not wanna upgrade. You might wanna uh, you know, wait till next year when there's a bigger incentive and a bigger reason to upgrade to give up that one feature.
0: I didn't upgrade last year because I love 3D Touch so much and the cameras weren't worth it for me. Um, but yeah, I did a dedicated video on the speed of 3D Touch on iPhone XS versus iPhone 11. And your normal everyday tasks can be accelerated, sped up two times faster because of 3D Touch and how much quicker it responds to the pressure sensitivity of your of your tap versus the tap and hold. Yeah, because it is, was replaced by basically just hold yeah, your finger so there. <laughs> Apple calls it haptic touch and you you it's a long press and you, you just tap and you wait for the phone to respond and it's I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. Uh, but yeah so this kind of brings me back to the other point where I think Apple with iOS 14 has reached such a great optimization on the older devices, my 10s felt just as fast and continues to feel just as fast as my new iPhone 12. So I would say if you like the speed and performance of your phone, the 10s is gonna be, continue to be great. It's very fast, especially with the little performance improvements that 3D Touch has to offer. And I really don't think you're gonna notice the upgrade. Really, the processor isn't used for speed, it's used for image processing to make those cameras better. Uh, so yeah, if if you're someone who doesn't take as many photos, I think you're going to be fine with the XS. Yeah. And and well, and also the 5G, uh, since that's the really, the big
1: thing that Apple, is. that's literally what they started out the iPhone presentation with, was the, how they have 5G. You got Verizon on stage, you got everyone yeah. doing everything. Well, you know, something I found out about me, the plan I'm on is data capped at five megabits per second, which is insane. So yeah, you I, might be in a similar boat if you're not like Stetson and you know, Incr- there's literally no one else out there in that boat all right okay so i am don't want to i
0: don't want to shoot you down but like i'm you're in my in own little niche, boat niche, going niche, off magra falls right now
1: yeah but if you are on a plan potentially that is data capped in some way or, or deprioritized potentially looking at you know rather than spending money on a new phone this year upgrading to a plan or switching to a plan like off the top of your headsets and would probably recommend mint mobile or us mobile right that's the one you're going yeah for it now.
0: really depends what you're looking
1: for um all right well we don't have time for that <laughs> go to setz's <laughs> okay, channel or Check his my website YouTube channel. Uh, if you really want to look at that but potentially upgrading to a phone plan that offers you know truly unlimited and unrestricted 4g lte data potentially will you know give you this maybe not as you won't get as fast as 5g but you'll still get a huge boost to your overall speeds and because a lot of people will be switching to 5G phones this year, I'm not gonna promise we'll see increases in speeds, but potentially because it's a different band of wireless, you know, in the wireless spectrum, potentially it could offer, um, you know, slightly increased.
0: Yeah, so speeds. this this would most likely be on probably T-Mobile and AT&T. Verizon is actually using something called DSS or Dynamic Spectrum Sharing. So they're basically using the same frequencies they have for their 4G LTE network, and then just splitting that between 5G and 4G users. So it's it's pretty much the same. That's interesting. So if you're on AT&T and T-Mobile, you I can would, maybe see that, yeah, but I think not a Verizon. little bit larger of a difference. Uh but yeah, and then I think if we go back to the 10, this is where I would say like you should upgrade, buddy. Like now's the time. I mean, the is still a great phone, but honestly, I remember last year we were doing our camera comparison test of the 10 versus 10s versus 11, and even upgrading to a, like a gently used 11 or something The improvements to the image processing, the dynamic range and the image quality of the cameras, I feel is really gonna be worth it. Um, And you're getting a device that will last a lot longer. Plus the battery of your 10 has probably degraded. Uh, The battery, you can check your battery health in the settings app. And if you're at maybe 85% or lower, I think like either get that thing replaced or just put that money towards an upgrade, I think you're really going to like it.
1: Now, you mentioned an interesting thing, which was buying a gently used iPhone 11, which is, this is potentially one option if you want to upgrade to a newer phone, but don't want to spend the full money on the 12 because you know the 13 is going to be potentially a lot, you know, offer more things, more new features, like the faster refresh display. Get a phone to last you the next year until the next huge
0: upgrade. But, But about that,
1: if you're looking at buying a used iPhone 11, the interesting thing that Stetson mentioned to me recently was that the price dip you would think all right as soon as the new 12 comes out boom the price drops on the used iphone 11 market it's not really the case it's actually more like 18 months isn't it that it really to get down to like 50 percent price
0: you'll see the prices go up on the used market right before the announcement and kind of during the announcement and that's because the demand is actually up because everyone's like, oh, the new phone's out, the old one, price has dropped. But that surge of demand actually kind of keeps prices stable. If you wait like a month or two after, uh, prices will be kind of down. I would say and wait wait till after the holidays when everyone has gotten their new iPhone
1: 12s and is ready to is sell. sell their
0: old ones. Yeah. Um, and then the dip I have found is typically 18 months after release, you can get it for around 50% off. So that means you could likely get an iPhone 11 Pro for maybe around five to 600 bucks in Maybe January or February of next year, uh, iPhone 11 could be going for like maybe $400 or something like that. I mean, it's crazy. So yeah, it's a very enticing
1: option if you don't want to drop a you know $1,000 on a phone uh, when you know that the phone next year is the phone you really want. So I, I would definitely consider that as an option if you have been waiting out like if you've been waiting out for a faster refresh screen uh, since like you know maybe the iPhone 10 or maybe even have the eight. And you're like, I really want that faster screen. That's what I really wanted this year. Well, all right, just go with the used iPhone 11 or 11 Pro. Get that better battery. Get some of the new features slightly, you know, experience what it's like. And then, you know, six months later, eight months later, you'll have that new 13, hopefully.
0: I have to say, I actually prefer the the size of the 11 Pro over the, the 12 Pro. Actually, hold
1: on. I just want to say, I did mention the iPhone 8. And I would say, if you have the iPhone 8, I would actually hold on to that. Because right now, wearing masks... And not having a touch Touch ID, touch ID, like hang on to that touch ID for a little longer until we've hopefully gotten a vaccine and eradicated the coronavirus. Because after that, though, then that's when you upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. Celebrate, go wild. We are no longer mask free.
0: And I almost wonder if Apple will bring back touch ID under the power button in the new iPhone. This is what I was really hoping for. Like I feel like the iPhone 12 is such a miss, and the only reason people are upgrading is for the camera and for maybe five G. But really, like next year's iPhone, if they add the 120 hertz refresh rate and Touch ID, like if the iPhone camera upgrades and like if the iPhone 12 had those things, there would be so much more demand for. I mean, it would be such a compelling phone. Yeah, I would even pay probably $50 more just to get that Touch ID. Oh, my God. We want it back. Apple, listen to our podcast. Bring it back. You can take away 3D Touch, but please bring back Touch ID. Yeah. Now yeah, I mean,
1: is that pretty much we've covered almost everything on this uh on the iPhone, you know. Now, oh, one thing I I think we should talk about is uh you did mention the Dolby Vision HDR. Yes. Now, this is this is a new feature, but this is something I mean, another argument to really wait till next year is it hasn't really been sorted out as like how it works because it's a very much a software feature and it's not really supported by anyone else right now. So it's, yeah, it's like really bad n- if you get the phone next year if you get the iPhone 13 It'll also obviously have Dolby vision HDR, but there'll be a lot more support across, you know YouTube Adobe Even Apple's own software on their computer like Final Cut Pro or whatever
0: you can still use extended dynamic range in the 12 pros uh, But you're getting that on the 11 and the 11 Pro so that you know why I you mean know, why upgrade? Um, but yeah, I think one thing uh, a couple things I want to mention here at the end uh, don't upgrade if you don't have the money. Like, by all means, please keep your current phone and continue using that. Like, there should be no pressure to upgrade. And I also made a video on my YouTube channel on the best financing options and trade-in deals. Uh, so there are some really, really good deals. So AT&T can give you $800, enough for basically a free iPhone 12, uh, if you trade in a device uh, as old as the iPhone 8 or newer that's in good condition. They'll be able you to are, apply you are you are locked on the plan. Yeah, oh yeah, your device is financed for 30 months and you're totally locked into that. But if you're okay with that, I mean, you're getting basically a free iPhone 12. Uh, So you may consider checking that out or or looking for other deals and promotions if you're on a family plan. Otherwise, I'm a big supporter of selling your old device online and then buying unlocked so you can choose whatever plan and carrier that works best for you. and go through Apple potentially with uh, if you have the Apple card
1: and get the 3% cash back and the ability to finance it. Uh, monthly payments. yeah
0: yeah I did like that Um, but yeah that's that's what I have Um, Gabe any concluding thoughts that you'd like to share message to the world
1: nope nothing really I, I will say my current plan going forward is I'm actually gonna pick up the iPhone 12 Pro Max in Pacific blue because that's the best color we all know and I will be utilizing the fact that Apple has a very nice return policy to try out you know in the past I've tried out and compared the iPhones as far as camera quality just to you know for fun and to put up on my tech channel uh for other people but this year honestly it's for me i want to see if the 12 pro max is worth upgrading to
0: from my current 10s max you know so i would say definitely but the only hesitation is that next year's iphone is just going to be so much better that's the thing can i can i go without those new cameras for another year but then here's another question for you how much would you pay to own the 12 pro max for one year because I bet you could buy it, own it, and sell it, and it would cost you like 300 bucks for a year. That's not bad, right? Like, that's a pretty, right? Stetson, do you, are you getting paid by Apple to try to get me to buy I'm this new phone? I think about it because I, I bought and owned an iPhone 11 for an entire year, cost me 162 bucks you sold it before the new one came I out. i did that's, so but you're accounting. planning here but i might keep yeah, you're, you're keeping right. your the 10s but what i really so want you, to go back sell to the it, 10s after but it makes the upgrade to the 13 so much better So you're
1: saying i i buy the new 12 pro max use it until like august next year and then sell it go back to my uh, 10s for like a month or so and then boom new 13 all right that's a very all right well everyone just call stetson here's his phone number you can just call him <laughs> Uh, and get personal advice wait, wait what phone number is that, is that, is that <laughs> yeah my, w- w- well maybe we, will give, out. we will give out a phone number actually <laughs> probably have enough that we, we could give one out for every person but yeah do check out his channel maybe you should do a whole video on this uh, if you have any time to do it beyond
0: the other videos you're doing so many so many exciting topics to talk about my message to you the world is to rate us on apple podcast and share this episode with a friend if you enjoyed it you not, can- not world peace that's but well, world peace, and then second, rate us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> that is the exact priority. Uh, follow us at Pinch to Zoom Pod on Twitter at Pinch to Zoom Podcast on Instagram. I'm Stetson at Stetson Doggett. I'm Gabe at Digit. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Just find me somewhere or not. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pinch to Zoom Podcast, and we look forward to talking to you in the next one. Well, I don't even know. What I don't I'm even doing know that. if I'm gonna get out. I'm, I'm torn. Are you gonna get a screen protector? I don't know what No, I'm not on that screen protector game. I need to talk with a therapist about my stupid iPhone issues. Yeah. Hey Gabe, how's it going? I have a question uh, for Dave you about down. my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs>